So what if instead of focusing on trying to figure out alcohol, you tried to figure out yourself. You learned how to do all of the things that you think alcohol is doing for you, but better. You tapped into really understanding what the messages from your body meant and how to use your emotions to your advantage and how to really expand your desires to get what it is you finally really want and have real, lasting, sustainable pleasure. That is possible for you, and it is all available to you in the self-study course, The Naturally Sober Woman. It is everything that I teach my one-on-one clients, but it is compact for you, lifetime access on demand at a super affordable price available to you right now. You're going to go to my website, marywagstaffcoach.com, right there. It'll say self-study course or follow the link in the show notes right here. Get in there. One short video, just the welcome ceremony. There's a commence, a beautiful commencement ceremony that really anchors you into your intention for wanting to make this change into your life will change your life forever. It'll put you on a trajectory of new possibility because the bigger your desire is, the easier it's going to be to say goodbye to alcohol. So go on over to my website, get inside of the Naturally Sober Woman, and I will see you in there. Welcome, welcome. My name is Mary Wagstaff. I am a life coach who ended a 20-year relationship with alcohol without labels, counting days, or ever making excuses. In this podcast, we will explore my revolutionary approach to quitting alcohol that breaks all the rules, amazing stories from women who are throwing a better party because of it, and how you can stop drinking and start living. This show is not a substitute for rehabilitation, medical treatment, or advice, so please talk to a health professional if your alcohol consumption is a risk to your mental or physical health. Now on with the show. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here. We're here for another episode of Stop Drinking and Start Living. Today, I couldn't be more thrilled for our special guest, Amber Stevens. She is a public speaking mindset coach. And Amber and I have come to know each other through the workings of the weaving of the interwebs. (laughs) Um, And Amber and I share a lot in common, which is one of the reasons I wanted to have her on this show, but she's been constantly inspiring me um, by really showing up in her fullest expression and honesty, not only of the way that she's helping women out in the world through the work that she's doing, but this embodiment of the divine feminine and talking about her journey and how, um, yeah, it's really just been this uplifting force to see the fullest expression of what is possible when you embrace the power and pleasure of being not only a woman, but taking control of your mind and being able to really step forward without excuses and without um, you know, needing to make any, make any excuses for who you are in this world and knowing that our journeys are a sacred one. So Amber, thank you so much and welcome. And I just wanted to, um, give you a moment to, for you to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about how you're currently spending your days. Great. Well, thank you so much, Mary, for having me. I'm glad to be here speaking with you today. I am a public speaking mindset coach. So I help working professional women as well as entrepreneurial women speak confidently everywhere they go. And so one of the ways I do this is I show women how you don't have to be perfect to start now. And when I mean start now, I mean starting now to double your income for the rest of your life by learning how to become a competent public speaker. So what I do is I help working professionals perfect their uh, pitch speeches, whether it be for job interviews 
or for networking groups and live events, as well as uh, how to tell her story in the most powerful way, whether they're at the podium, a networking event, or out with friends. And what that does, it changes everything for you once you learn how to confidently speak for yourself, because then you're attracting the resources that you need in order to continue doing the work you are here to do. So I'm really glad to be here, um, Mary, because I know you and I met through a coaching group, and we actually met initially through um, through talking about our own healing journeys with alcohol and recovery. So thank you, Mary, for having me. This is great. Yeah, it's really awesome. And um, so be, and thank you for doing the work that you're doing, because I do think not only sharing your story for business purposes, but in general, one of my big transitions for wanting to specifically focus on alcohol coaching was because I was hearing all these women kind of whispering and lurking in the background, terrified to tell their story. So can we actually start talking a little bit about that for you? Um, what was your journey like of being confident enough to step out to tell your story about your relationship with alcohol? Well, so we'll start from when I started drinking alcohol. So when I was 18 years old, that's when I started my journey with um, alcoholism. Uh, so back then, I thought it was completely normal to be, you know, downing vodka in the backseat of your friend's car on the way to your the club. Uh, turns out that's not really normal for anyone to do. And so just a little more background about where I come from. My uh, father died by suicide when I was 18 years old, and he was somebody who was a somewhat of a recovering alcoholic. He no, no longer drank. He was sober, but he didn't actually have the recovery tools in order to manage his emotions around alcohol. So he had a pretty bad temper and he had PTSD from trauma when he was growing up. So I had um, that in my lineage, as well as my mother, uh, mother's side, who um, her mother died of alcoholism when my mom was um, in her uh, mid-20s or 30s. And then on my... Um, Going back on to my father's side, my half-sister died from liver cirrhosis after a lifelong mm. drug addiction. So um, I came to a point when I was, um, you know, in my early 30s, and I realized that I was not living the life that I wanted to live. I wasn't creating the opportunities I wanted to create in my life. Um, I've been working full-time in an office for 14 years. I worked my way through school by working office jobs in um, anywhere from uh, hospitality to finance, collection agencies. And then after college, I went into marketing, and I noticed that I wasn't really feeling confident enough to speak in front of people, um, whether it be at meetings um, during job interviews or just going hang out with coworkers, it was hard for me to do that. So outside of work, the way that I relieved my uh, social anxiety that I was experiencing was to drink alcohol. So my way of basically creating like liquid courage to be mm -hmm. this, you know, star that I've been since I was little. I used to be in acting when I was little. So I always had this like outgoing personality, but because of all this trauma experience, from when I was younger up until I was 18, everything just kind of compounded and I basically went into my shell for most of my adulthood unless I was drinking. So um, as I mentioned, I was in acting when I was little. Um, I also used to like dance in videos and like do all this other stuff on my own. That was my way of coping with things. So now that I've been two years sober, I help women how to become confident in their everyday lives without drinking alcohol. So one of the ways I do that is I dance on Facebook Live. I show women how to be confident in their bodies, in their skin right now. Doesn't matter if you look perfect or not. You know, you are good to go right now to express yourself where that's where I used to be a long time ago. I didn't know how to express myself. And so that's how it got me to a point where I reached a bottom and I, you know, was thousands of dollars in debt. I spent so much money on uh, going out, vacations, just trying to keep up the high of alcohol that it was giving me. I thought it was going to give me this like grand opening to like everything I ever wanted in the world, but turns out that it did the opposite. So mm -hmm. when I was in college, I worked in journalism and marketing, tell stories, but now I help women tell their stories. So they can um, you know, get better leads in their business. They can uh, find the job that they want that pays them more money. And so my clients include, you know, working professional women, entrepreneurial women of all ages and all backgrounds. And I noticed that all women have this in common. So even if you're not somebody who has a problem with alcohol, I noticed that all those women have this, um, because of our upbringing, because of programming, have this issue with 
going up there, talking about ourselves, talking about our story. And in recovery, I ended up doing that at AA meetings. And so I built my confidence from AA meetings in order to go out there and tell my story outside of AA and to inspire people to reevaluate their relationship with alcohol or just um, be able to confidently speak without using liquid courage or without quelling their anxiety afterwards with alcohol. So that's basically what I do every day is I help women become more confident and I go out to networking groups. I speak at networking groups. I just spoke at a luncheon uh, last month here in Torrance in California uh, with 25 amazing women um, in the financial industry. So just little by little, I've been building up myself to this point where I can now confidently speak and inspire others and now I take women who are at a point where they're struggling where they don't know how to talk in front of other people where they're losing out opportunities in their business and in their job and so what I do I basically just give them that little extra boost that they need just by working through their thoughts around public speaking so that's what I do is I help women have the mindset to public speak um, even if they don't end up going speaking in front of thousands of people they'll know exactly what to do everywhere they go to create more resources for themselves make more money you know for the rest of their lives yeah and that's such an impact i mean being able to tell your story and being able to comp confidently speak is so empowering for every other area of your life because when you have a voice and when you feel like your voice is heard um, I feel like it's one of those things that you're like, now there's, you know, nothing I can't do, or at least it gets you a little bit closer to remember that time when I was, you know, so scared and I did it anyway. Um, I wanted to ask you a little bit about in under the context of alcohol, because I find that people, there's such a social stigma around, you know, this kind of, if it's not rock bottom, um, you're fine almost kind of thing. And we know now that there's a spectrum of alcohol dependency. Um, and so many, so many of the women that I've been coaching and have been working with are still, you know, they're, they haven't been engaging with me until we get on the call together because there is this social stigma. And it's like, if I say for health reasons, this isn't making me feel good anymore they're terrified of what the implications um, will be. And so we do work through that mindset of why, you know, why is this different? Why is this a different choice than any other choice for the betterment of your life? Um, and is there, can you speak to that a little bit? Because I know you said you, you spoke at AA and of course in that context, everyone is speaking about the same thing. So you're feeling supported by the community, but as far as, um, I don't know, people getting out of that mindset of this social stigma and being able to confidently say, you know, no more, really. And I think that this does roll over into other areas. But um, yeah, oh, do you have definitely. anything about that? Definitely. So yeah, I mean, there is a social stigma around drinking. And so um, a few things with that is number one, there is definitely a gray area. Not everyone who drinks alcohol has a, you know, is an alcoholic. You might have a problem with alcohol, or you might just need to uh, look at your relationship with alcohol, because that would be translating into other areas in your life. So that's what I help out women with is how to look at alcohol in, in relation to yourself and identify where that's showing up in other areas of your life. So it doesn't mean you have to give up alcohol completely and I know how it is when you when you're faced with that decision of like oh my god I have to stop drinking are you kidding me like that's the only thing that's making me feel good you know um, I felt that way myself and that's why I spent so many years drinking instead of stop drinking because it was the only thing that I thought could make me feel good it was the most powerful most potent thing that was getting me to that high that I was craving that I was not experiencing in my everyday life. But once I realized the impact of alcohol in my life, um, you know, I reached a point where I was living with my mom, um, which is not a huge deal. I know a lot of people do that these days, but I was living with my mom. I wasn't getting paid what I wanted to be paid in my job. I tried going for a higher paying job. They told me point blank, well, you your resume doesn't look like someone who would be a director position, even though I had like half a decade in my field. So I realized that it was myself. It's not that my resume didn't show that I was a leader. I wasn't leading in my own life. And that's why no one, um, no one took me seriously as a leader. So I, what I would offer women like that, if you are in a position where, you know, you're not making enough in your job, you're stuck making, you know, 50K or under or somewhere around 60K. And you're wondering, how do I get a raise? How do I go and ask for more money at a different job? How do I make 
more money in my business. And so what you start with is you start having the public speaking mindset because Mary, as you said earlier, once you know how to communicate and talk in front of people, it opens up a ton of doors for you. So if you're relying on alcohol to, um, basically give you liquid courage and social situations. But when you don't have alcohol and say you're in a job interview or you're at work, how are you able to interact with others without that, you know, crutch that you've been using all those years? So yeah. that was basically my story is that I use alcohol as a crutch outside of work. But when I was working, I didn't know how to stand up for myself. I didn't know how to be my power. I didn't know how to be a leader because I wasn't doing it outside of work. So once I made the decision, I was like, I need to get a better job. I need to get a higher paying job. I was living with my mom. I wasn't getting the kind of dates I wanted because I was single. Um, and I know that my drinking had a lot to do with why my relationships didn't work out. So when I saw the effects of alcohol in every area of my life, I was like, that's it. Like, I just, I just can't do this anymore. I can't keep drinking, thinking that this is the answer when it's not, it's actually making things worse. So I made the decision. Um, I say for myself, I don't know how many of the, your followers will be um, of the spiritual type, but for me, my high po higher power knew how to get my attention. He put a skinny white man, mm -hmm. <laughs> a very good looking, attractive, smart, skinny white man in my path who didn't drink, who had parents who, um, suffered from alcoholism and then said, here you go, Amber, you didn't listen to any of the other signs I gave you, but you're going to listen to this one. So I actually initially stopped drinking because I thought that if I stopped drinking, that this guy would like me. So that's what my mm -hmm. high power did. But what I found is when I stopped drinking, I became more confident. I actually had to learn how to deal with situations without drinking. I had to go on dates without uh, drinking to be flirty or feel like I'm attractive. I had to go out with my friends and learn how to speak with them without liquid courage. And at first it was a huge struggle. Like I just felt, I felt like I was so small, but the more times I did it, the more times I just went out there, put myself out there. Cause I knew if I picked up a drink, I'd end up where I was before. The more times I just courageously put myself out there, the more confident I became. So I feel like a lot of women really struggle with that just starting, just saying, you know what, I'm deciding right now that alcohol does not play a good role in my life. And then just going out there. And even if people don't like you, even if people say things about you, or they say things about you not drinking, just going out there and doing it anyways, and using the resources inside yourself to just be like, I'm powerful. I'm good. Like I'm healthy. This is my choice. And none of y'all are making money for me. So I'm gonna make money for myself. Right. <laughs> I'm gonna go out there and I'm gonna find the better job and find the better men. And that's exactly what I did within two years. That's amazing. I, and so, I mean, we, we talked about this a little bit before the, the call of just that the power to choose. And that's something that I think is so hard um, initially, but finding that strength inside those internal resources by knowing that, yes, I am making this choice. And just then it just becomes practice. Just like you practice getting good at drinking, you know, whatever that means, mm -hmm. um, practicing being out in the world. And so when you kind of like d changed your whole life, were you, how did you express that to your loved ones or your, your friends or the people you had been in, um, in communication with, because I know this is a really, this is a really scary thing for people of what do I say? What do I do? And my whole thing is to not make excuses for living your best life. And, um, but did you have a process for doing that? Um, no, I didn't have a process at first, but I, I created one. So at first, to be honest with you, Mary, I wasn't really honest with myself. I didn't want to believe that I had a problem. All I was really focused on is I want to date this guy and I want him to like me. So I'm going to stop drinking. <laughs> that was my process. And, um, things didn't end up working out with the guy. But what I, what I learned is that, um, you know, help is always out there. Help is always available. So I know it's kind of cliche to say, you know, when it stops being fun to go to an AA meeting, but I was, what I was doing is I was basically white knuckling for a good eight months before I went to my first AA meeting. So I was telling people, oh, I can't drink because of this medication, which was kind of true. I had this acid reflux medication I was taking where I couldn't drink. And so I was saying, no, can't do it. But then I started getting questions of like, well, that means you're never going to, you're still going to drink, right? You're going to go on this wine tasting trip with us, right? Or you're going to go out and we're still going to do shots on your birthday, right? And I was like, ah, uh, I don't really know. So I wasn't 
totally in my power just yet. And so I really just kind of kept it, you know, laying low for a few months until I decided, you know what, I bet there's other women out there who are going through this as well. And I knew a couple women on my list who had been really out and proud about their sobriety really early on. And I saw it really help them. So at the two month mark, I decided to put it out there. And it's funny, the first post where I said, I, this is a temporary post, I'm going to delete it later. Like that's how much mm. shame I had behind um, creating this post. There was actually a person on my list, um, a hiker I used to go hiking with and he was like you should just keep this up like people need to know this and what I didn't know is actually that his now wife was actually going through that at the time and so he wanted me to keep it up so she would see it and you know others who need that help so I think it's very important to once you decide that you're going to do this to you know really get comfortable with it yourself first and then start sharing with with others you never know the support you're going to get so once I start sharing it at networking groups I'll tell you Every networking I go, group I go to, there's at least two or three people mm -hmm. that have been in Al-Anon, which is a support group for alcoholics, or they've in recovery themselves or know someone in recovery, and they come up to me and say, thank you so much for being so open. Like, we need more people to be more open because we need to erase the stigma behind this so more people can get help. So pretty much a thought I have when I go about and I share my story with people is that this could help one person today with whatever issue they're having, but most of all, quit drinking alcohol if it's, you know, endangering their life in any way, you know, in the future or now. So it started out with not really being completely honest, but once I got completely honest with myself, I became more honest with other people and I basically found my tribe wherever I go. So the people that wanted to drink with me, but didn't get to drink with me anymore, they kind of just left. They just kind of exited my life. Mm -hmm. And then the people that wanted to stick around, they stuck around. Like my best friend I just saw the other night, me and her used to go out drinking together. I go to her house, she has some wine, I have some soda, we have a good time, it's no big deal. But if I was still in the mindset of like, oh my God, I just don't know if like, if I'm good enough to be around people if I'm not drinking or they're gonna make fun of me, I wouldn't be having that same experience. So it's really like my thought process of like, I can still have fun when I'm not drinking, other people are totally cool if I don't drink. And then just keeping with that everywhere I go. And that's the more you do that, the more, the better, like you said, the more you practice something, the better you get at it. It's just making that decision that like, I'm doing this for me. That's how I got from point A to point B. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think too, it's, you know, giving other people, taking personal responsibility for yourself and also making other people responsible for themselves too. And, you know, however they respond to your drinking is how they need to respond to it for themselves. And I do think it kind of does have this like natural selection process almost. <laughs> um, you know, and I, what I've noticed too, with just being that support of, of how much you are supporting people by putting yourself out there is it really does, um, from a leadership perspective is it really does give other people permission to say, you know, me too. And I think that that was, one of the things that was so inspiring for me to continue my mission um, because I was feeling so confident in myself was to just say, continue to say that because other people were coming out of the woodwork saying, you know, I don't feel like an alcoholic per se, but I know that this isn't working anymore. And I find that that's where a lot of people are. Um, so I just commend you for, for doing all of that work and, and showing up at these networking meetings because I think there are probably other people there feeling like that, that aren't ready to come out and say, Hey, you know, looking for support, but then they see someone that's awesome and empowered and living an amazing life, you know, doing it. And so, um, so about beliefs, what do you think a belief, um, you, what is a new belief that you've created? And you probably mentioned all of them, but something that you just never would have believed true at all when you were, drinking that you are really living into now as a current state? Oh, yes. Okay. The number one thought that I have or belief would be that I can have fun without drinking. Mm -hmm. um, because if you would have asked me like three years ago, four years ago, five years ago, 10 years ago, I've been like, no way. I'm all about, you know, tossing back the whiskey shots, being cool. Like I'm hardcore. Um, the way I have fun is I, you know, I go out and hike all day. Then I drink margaritas afterwards. Like I thought I was really hardcore. So actually two, I would say two major thoughts and beliefs is one of them is that I can have fun without drinking and I could still be a bass B-I-T-C-H. Yes. <laughs> Without, I can still be a bad bitch, bad ass bitch without alcohol. So I think it was a combination of those two because I feel like 
a lot of women, especially when you're somebody who's in a, in a position where you're taking on a lot of things, um, if you come from a background where you're somebody who has, you know, really taken on a lot of responsibilities, there's this idea that it's like, okay, I'm a total badass because I'm doing all these things and like, I'm cool. And so you have that confidence, but what actually ends up happening is that if you mix alcohol in there, it becomes, um, it's basically a toxic combination, right? Because if you think mm -hmm. that you are just badass, once you drink alcohol, it just starts kind of bringing out all the negative <laughs> effects of, of that. So I think those two thoughts really helped me because once I realized I'm actually more badass when I don't drink, it's because I'm using my, my resources inside of me to go about my day. Even when I feel like crap, I still know how to, I have the tools uh, necessary to change my thoughts. So like when I think to myself, I have all the best tools in the world to change anything around me, change myself. That's when I get into that mode of like, you know what, maybe I don't feel so great about what happened today or how this person responded or what this did, but I have the power to change it myself. So I think really just putting myself in the driver's seat and just saying, you know, I can be a badass without alcohol. I can have fun without alcohol and I get to decide, you know, how I create my reality would be like the top three beliefs that I did not have uh, even two years ago, or even not completely a year ago, but I definitely have now every single day as I'm uh, coaching and inspiring women. Amazing. I think it's so awesome. I mean, you're just such an amazing example of this motto that I have of, you know, I don't just help women move away from alcohol, but move towards greatness. Because I really think when you have overcome what seems like an impossible goal of getting alcohol out of your life, right? You had this belief that like, wait, no, wait, the only way I can have fun and be amazing is with alcohol in my life. When you remove that belief, it's kind of like, and tell me how you feel about this. I feel like there's nothing I can't do now. Yes. I feel like that too. And so actually my second or third month of sobriety, I started looking into celebrities who don't drink like Jada Pinkett Smith. And obviously the ones that we will, you know, we know have been in and out rehab, like Robert Downey Jr., Brad Pitt, Johnny Depp and all those. But I started looking at people who don't drink and I was like, well, that's, there's probably a reason why they're successful is they're not drinking. So I think that looking at people who are successful that you see that aren't drinking and seeing like what they did and you'll see that because they weren't spending their time drinking alcohol, they're spending time honing in on their craft, um, becoming amazing uh, human beings in general, and they weren't drinking. That's why they can do the amazing things they do. So a recent example I, I like to give is JLo and Shakira on the Super Bowl halftime yes. show. Everyone was talking about them, you know, good, bad, everything in between, which is great. I think if people aren't saying bad things about you, then, you know, look at what you're doing, see how you can, <laughs> you know, but I feel like they really, really changed the, um, the spectrum of what we see as acceptable as far as halftime shows, uh, the NFL football and in the, you know, American society and like American sphere of like, you know, what's acceptable, what's not. And what a lot of people don't know or haven't talked about is that both JLo and Shakira don't drink alcohol. And so that's one of the reasons why they can get up there and do what they do because they obviously, they have all these trainers, everything else, but if they were drinking alcohol, they would definitely not look the way they look and they definitely wouldn't be moving the way they're moving. It's because at some point they decide alcohol was getting in the way of whatever it is that they were trying to do health uh wealth both you know are the same so they decided okay no more alcohol but you see how amazing they are whether or not you agree with any of the political cultural debates have been going on which to me it shouldn't be a debate but it is apparently um i see that oh okay if they can be so awesome and not drink alcohol and they can do that like you can just do anything like if you take that one thing that's getting your way, whether it's alcohol, food, whatever it may be, if you start thinking about yourself being the driver's seat of your own life, you can literally do anything. Like you can become a millionaire. You know, that's where I'm thinking. It's like, mm -hmm. I know now, since I now don't have alcohol in my life, I have everything within, within me to become a millionaire where drinking Amber would think that's something that happened to other people. Now that I put my driver's seat, like I'm in the driver's seat of my own life, I'm like, oh, I can become a millionaire because now I know how to use my brain to do anything I want. So mm -hmm. it just opens up a ton of doors where before I thought I could only make, say, 50K at my job. Then I start asking for more money. I start asking for 70K, 80K, now 90K and 100K in my office job. And now I'm finding, you know, employers are scrambling to pay me the amount that I ask because I'm so confident when I speak with them on job interviews. So pretty much it opens up every door. Once you learn exactly what's getting your way and you you go through that, you understand that really 
anything is possible in this lifetime. And it's really up to you to decide to, you know, start now your journey towards your greatness. <clears throat> yeah, that is really, I love that. Use my brain to do anything I want. And I think that there are some conflicting, what I've seen kind of in a, you know, there's so many different programs for sobriety and um, approaches. And I don't think that there's should be a cookie cutter approach because we're all unique individuals and we all have different relationships with alcohol and trauma in our lives and all of that. But one thing I have noticed, um, and I was wondering if you could speak to this too, from a coaching perspective is that, you know, there are people that I've seen that are alcohol free or sober in recovery for, you know, many, many years and still feel in deprivation and still feel like, why can't I when everyone else can? And I think that the approach that I'm taking with my clients, and it sounds like where you're at too, that you've used it as a tool for empowerment um, and used your brain and that, 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 you know, I have, this is a choice that I'm making. Um, do you, have you seen that in the recovery community where people, some people are still like not fe feeling crappy, not drinking, um, as opposed to this mindset of really, I guess it just comes down to mindset, this mindset of using my brain to make choices and to make big moves in my life rather than that white knuckling gritting yes. your teeth, just getting through it. Yeah. And you know, I think everyone has their own journey and path to recovery and everyone's going to be you know, doing whatever works for them. But if someone is in recovery, but they're still feeling like crap every day, um, that's definitely something that I'd be curious about. I want to take a look at because chances are there's a thought inside their head that's leading them to feel that way. So if they go out and they're letting other people decide that those other people are more powerful than them for whatever reason, that's something, say if I was to work one-on-one -on -one coaching with them, that's something we look at is why when you go out, do you feel like they're more important or powerful than you? Because when you walk into the room, I teach you how to be the strongest energy in the room, how to take the lead, how to take control of your own life. So when you walk into a room, like you feel powerful, that doesn't mean you're the most obnoxious, you're the loudest, or you're the right. one directing everything, but you're become that strong energy. So that's what I'd be curious about is like what thoughts are happening, like leading someone there. And if they've been in recovery for 20 years, perhaps whatever it is they're doing isn't working. So if they don't feel good about it, then that could lead them to be on a slippery slope. And that's obviously not what someone wants. If they're in recovery, you never want to be, you know, two steps away from relapse, because that's what we're all <laughs> trying to, you know, avoid. We're all trying to go on this uh, journey of, you know, for the rest of our lives, not having alcohol. So I feel like, yes, it has a lot to do with mindset and just a lot to do, honestly, with like cultural programming, the things you see in the media, the things you see um, in life and just putting yourself in the driver's seat and being like, just because this commercial or this brand says that alcohol is luxurious or how you become happy and a fun person, that doesn't mean it's real. Like they all, they have an agenda. They want to make money um, and a good for them, but that doesn't mean that you have to buy into whatever it is that they're selling you. So just last night I was at the grocery store and there was some really fancy looking rosé I saw with a beautiful woman, like the tag, not the bottle, but the tag had this beautiful woman like in sunglasses and exactly what I used to think it was like to drink and to be glamorous. And I'm like looking at this bottle of rosé and I'm like, I know what rosé does to me. I don't be, I don't look like that girl. <laughs> I don't look like that girl. At first, I think I looked like that girl because I'm like, you know, in the state of like delusion. And then once I keep drinking, it's like, you know, slurring your words, you know, going to bathroom, tripping in your heels and getting sick either afterwards or the day after regretting everything you said, even if it's not that bad, just regretting this a small little thing, like going up to a guy and like hugging him, like a guy you don't even know, like that is not what's on that tag. But right. so many women, that's what they experience. Now that doesn't mean every single woman drinks rosé and suddenly they're a lush, but if you're a woman who has any kind of genetic predisposition to process alcohol differently, like I believe I do as my, I have alcoholism in my family. If you're somebody who just, you know, if you just can't have more than just a few glasses of wine, like that's totally okay that you are like that. But what's not okay is knowing that and then just keep going with it because that's what leads you to on this path where you're basically using alcohol as liquid courage, but it's actually doing the exact opposite. It's actually having the opposite effect where you are not moving forward in your life. Instead, you're relying on something else to get you forward, to make you feel glamorous, to make you feel rich. When let's just say, for example, you stop drinking, then you actually have the tools and resources to become rich and powerful, influential, and glamorous. It just takes realizing that you've been fed this idea that alcohol is glamorous, 
when it's not it's just it's just literally it's literally like eth it's ethanol it's ethanol in a bottle which is technically a poison um so it's not something that's like a magical pill that's going to make you the most you know glamorous woman in the world uh for some of us it's actually a matter of life and death so that's one thing i like to emphasize is i'm not anti-alcohol industry but what i am anti is this idea that it makes you more glamorous than the woman sitting next to you just because you're sipping rosé that means you're like the shit when it doesn't mean anything it means you're going to feel like shit if you keep drinking it <laughs> right i know it is interesting it's like this very small window between like the thoughts of what's going to happen, the dopamine, you know, like the brain getting ready to receive the dopamine and then what actually happens. And one of the, um, you kind of described it perfectly. One of the, um, tools and techniques that I have people use is I call them association triggers, you know, so you're doing this thing that you, your brain associates with getting that flood of dopamine, but on a conscious level, you don't know that. Um, you're not thinking, oh, this is just my brain wanting a dopamine rush. You're thinking, oh, I'm going out with my friends to happy hour. It's Friday night or whatever it is, the association. But I have people until you start to get onto your brain and you start to realize, oh, okay, I know that. Like I call it like the cheap cologne of alcohol thoughts. <laughs> um, doing this like 24 hour fast forward. So, okay, the first drink might sound good, but then what does it look like future focused 24 hours in advance? What does play out the whole thing? Does it look as good as it sounds right now? No, you know? And so it's kind of giving, taking back the control of your own brain of knowing what is actually going to happen and what is happening. So yeah, exactly. I, I love, <clears throat> I love thinking about the realities rather than the marketing, right? They're just two different things. And I, I love that you mentioned that because I feel like we, our work like really goes hand in hand because with me, I'm usually working with women who have already decided that, you know, alcohol is not for them. And that we already are, you know, working with that, or maybe they're not big on alcohol in the first place. And so I'm helping them with their confidence as they've decided to, you know, start their business, get more money in their jobs. But with you, for example, I like with your process is that you help them before they even quit drinking, like how to change their mindsets before they even quit drinking. So I want to just um, acknowledge that that's really powerful work that you're doing because you're basically doing the work, helping them do the work before they're actually doing the work. You're, you're actually leading them on that journey of like, how do I readjust my mind from all this cultural pro programming, social programming, and you're getting them into that mindset so they know, okay, alcohol isn't the answer to whatever problem I'm having. The answer is, you know, putting myself in, in, in the driver's seat and saying like, you know what, I get to decide this. So I think it's great. What you're doing is that you're, you're basically allowing women to have that choice for themselves. So when they work with you, they know exactly what to do. They're like, oh, okay, this triggers this thought, this triggers that thought. And then say, for example, when a woman comes to me, then we're going more into, okay, how to go up, stand in front of people, how to be confident when you go out and you decided to get rid of alcohol. Here's how you can confidently speak in front of people at networking groups on Facebook Live, or if you're not someone who drinks alcohol a whole lot anyways, here's how you can still reevaluate your relationship with those people who do drink alcohol. So that's something I help out with as well is if a woman has a man or a partner in her life that drinks alcohol, how to navigate your way through that. So I just want to acknowledge that I feel like what you do is just so powerful because so many women have that social stigma, have that shame. And I've experienced that. I know exactly how it is. So it's great that you're out there helping them work through that shame so they can go on and do all these amazing things that they want to do. Yeah. Thank you for saying that. It is, it's really amazing work. And you know, it's what it comes down to, I think, is that the, it's really the being willing to feel any emotion too, right? Like you have to, if you've been covering up emotions for so long, but you are ready to next level your life, you're not going from drinking alcohol to hiding out, just binging on TV. You know, you're ready, you're getting alcohol out of your way because you are ready to go public speak. You're ready to make more money in your job. And this, these are the, these are the clients that I've been working with. And it sounds like the clients that you're working with too. So in that way, it's like, I'm ready to feel life, like bring it on. You know, we're here for this human experience and that's amazing. And one of the um, kind of final things I wanted to ask you about was I see you dancing <laughs> on, on Facebook all the time and on social media and it's amazing. And um, I know that you and I have this shared experience of 
um, having um, offering the right of the womb transmission. Um, and I was wondering, not just from that, but the work that you do through your dancing, through your movement, um, and this idea of not just leadership, but feminine leadership. Um, can you just talk a little bit about the feminine and how getting alcohol out of your life has brought that more in and just your, your expression, you know, showing up in the world and through your dance and just being the, the, the power and privilege that it is to be a woman and how that's showing up for you in your life, how it supported your journey of alcohol and it's now supporting you and supporting other women on their journeys. Right. And I love that you say the, the power and privilege of being a woman, because I know you and I have discussed before, uh, most of us did not grow up with those ideas. But now that we're entering this new time of 2020, where we are looking more at uh, women's leadership, whether it be the, you know, the leader of the free world or uh, women getting paid more at their jobs, I feel like hashtag me to really kind of like set off a series of events where women start to realize what power we have and what privilege it is to be a woman. So there's definitely a divine feminine rising that's happening. It was happening before Me Too, but I feel like now as more women are basically flipping the power scripts, we're understanding that we have more power than we think. So when I go onto Facebook Live and I dance, of course I love to dance in front of people and I love moving my body, but I see it more of a way as reclaiming my space. So if I'm on Facebook Live dancing, it's not because I'm trying to like show off. It's not because I want like an audience, although it's kind of cool to get, you know, fun comments. Um, it's not really about that for me. It's about showing that, you know, let's reclaim our space. You know, these elections are coming up. There's going to be a lot of folks with a lot of different agendas advertising to us, their political uh, beliefs, agendas, whatever it may be. Let's claim our space by showing our beautiful feminine uh, energy wherever we go. So for me to be able to disrupt someone's feed with my dancing, I uh, have seen have only encouraged other women to disrupt their feed with whether it be dancing, talking about their business, putting themselves out there more, not seeing their their social media feeds as a place where like everyone else is, you know, exchanging their ideas, but actually rising up as a leader just by posting a video of yourself dancing. Now for me, I've danced all my life, not a big deal. Uh, I know others, that's not really their thing. It doesn't have to be dancing, but that's just my way. So as I mentioned earlier, I used to dance on video all the time as a kid. That's what makes me happy. So what makes me happy is what makes other people happy. And that's a thought I have when I dance on Facebook Live is like, this makes other people happy because I'm so happy doing it. So whatever it is that makes you happy, that's your feminine energy because you're basically reclaiming your right to feel happy in this world that would rather us be not so happy, right? Mm, <laughs> Sometimes I love that. Where it's like, okay, don't be too big. Don't express yourself too much. Don't put yourself out there. Don't go in the Super Bowl and shake your booty because then you're going to have all these people saying things about you. But once you let go of what other people say about you and not to be cliche, but it's more like once you decide that you are the star of your own show and that everyone else is like your audience member, that's what changes things for you. That's when you start thinking about, say, something like alcohol is like not something you want to necessarily engage with because once you don't engage with that then you command the respect of others because you're going out there doing your thing and you're not drinking like you're that person who's shaking her booty on facebook live like i am and you're not drinking where when i was drinking i'd be so embarrassed to do that because i was embarrassed someone would think i'm drunk or i'm crazy now mm. i'm just crazy and i'm okay with it. <laughs> yes no and it's so that's, how so... I feel. that's how i feel with the feminine movement it's a way of expression it's a way of feeling confident in your own skin and it's a way, even as we've been talking, I've actually been moving in like my feminine embodiment as we've been talking. So I feel connected as we're talking. So I feel like it's not just something I do when I'm just promoting my business, but something I also integrate in my everyday life and my conversations. <clears throat> yeah. And I think that the embodiment, like the actual physical embodiment practice dance for me and movement um, has always been one of my biggest supporters, but I do think through the transition of changing really any relationship that's interwoven into your life, it's, there is something very magical and, you know, potent medicinally about the actual act of moving the body and you're, you know, you're rewriting not only the patterns in your brain, but I think in the fiber of, 
of where all of these memories have been stuck in the body as well. And that's just my personal opinion. But I do think um, when we move through any big transition, especially one um, that there's been toxins and trauma like wrapped around with alcohol, that a, the physical practice of movement in any way that it shows up for you, for me, it was dancing for sure. Cause I feel like that's a very raw energy. Um, but it was definitely helped expedite my process of feeling like I wasn't, not only was I not just drinking, but that I didn't even, that I don't no longer desired it. And that's such a huge distinction too, that it wasn't like, I'm just not drinking the action of it, but my mind no longer is there anymore. Exactly. Um, and that's how I feel with, with embodiment as well, is that I feel like as you're actually changing the body chemistry inside of you, you're actually changing the reality outside of you. So what right. the movement does for me is like, it's changing my biochemistry inside, which then allows me to show up in a way that's actually changing my reality around me. So mm. people's perceptions are changed, not just about me, but just in general about women, women who don't drink, women who are in recovery, they have their own preconceived notions. And because I'm changing, I'm basically creating a revolution within my body. It then comes out of me because people can see it. Like it's, it's visible. You know, I can feel the processes happening inside my body. I can feel, you know, my deep breath moving through my body. I can feel my arms moving a certain way or my hands. But when the outside world sees that they're seeing a woman who's in our power, who's not afraid to be who she is. And it's all because I'm listening to my body. My body is saying, release me, <laughs> release me. And mm -hmm. so when I allow it to be released and I, uh, a lot of us are used to stuck movement because we're at desk, we're at chairs. We're used to just basically being very proper and very like, okay, I'm going to sit this desk now and just do my work. What I do is I'm actually moving throughout my day, whether it be I'm sitting, I'm actually moving my body. So I'm actually changing the biochemistry inside. And then that starts reflecting in my energy and that reflects how I interact with others. So that's a big part for me of being the strongest energy in the room is really focusing on what's happening inside of you. And then that actually changes what's happening outside of you, you know, completely 100% substance-free, no, not even caffeine or anything, nothing but just water to nourish yourself. So when you get to a point where it's like, all I need is my body and water, then you're pretty much returning back to your origin, returning back to the origins of like being a human being, which is so powerful and potent to feel that connected to why we're here in the first place, to create, to interact, to connect. So that's how I feel like on the higher level of things, it's like a way for us to just feel connect with ourselves so we can feel connected with others. Yeah. Like what the whole, what the whole reality really is. I know we've gotten so far away from the nature of being nature. You know, we kind of see nature as separate from being a human, but we are nature. And I think that, that you express that beautifully with the movement of water in the body and, um, yeah, I just think it's so beautiful. I loved seeing you dance. I'm going to be doing more dancing too. Um, I've been doing lots of dancing in my life, but I want to do more dancing to inspire people that, you know, it doesn't have to look like anything, but what it needs to feel like in your body. So, um, and before I say goodbye to you, I did just want to ask you one final thing of, for someone, one of the things that I hear a lot from women are, I don't know if I want to change my relationship to alcohol or how, what that looks like or what my goals are around it, but I know that what I'm doing isn't working. Mm -hmm. um, and do, would you have any advice for that, for that woman besides, you know, maybe calling me? <laughs> <laughs> right. So yeah, if you, what you're doing, but isn't working, if there's one thing that you know would help you, but you're not doing it, I would say you definitely need someone to coach you through that. So what's great about the coaching tools that both you and I have is we're able to help women on their journey, no matter where they're at. But it sounds like what you're talking about is someone who really feels conflicted, doesn't know the actual benefits to, um, just, you know, get alcohol out of their lives so they can create this new life. Right now, if you're thinking that alcohol needs to stay in your life, that's totally fine. All it takes is just reevaluating your relationship with it. So I've spoken to women before who are like, you know, I don't want to stop drinking altogether, but I want to change my relationship with alcohol. So I'm not I don't keep drinking. I don't go past my limits. And so eventually what happens is that once you train yourself to just like, I know in recovery, this is a very 
comes saying one day at a time. But once you train yourself to just go moment by moment, what's happening in your thoughts? What are you believing that alcohol is doing for you that you can't do for yourself? So that's what I would offer to them is that question of just throughout your day, ask yourself, this is how I start off is what can alcohol do for me that I can't do myself? Is alcohol helping me get my new job? No. Okay. Then maybe I shouldn't drink today. Is alcohol helping me get better dates? No, I'm still messing around with these boys that aren't, (laughs) that just want to drink on these dates. So I'm like, okay, I'm not going to go on this date with someone who wants to go drinking. So I think taking things moment by moment, just taking a pause, even for like five seconds and saying, does this align with my life? Yes or no. It doesn't mean you have to stop drinking altogether, but just taking it moment by moment saying, if I drink tonight, when I drink tonight, is that going to lead me to where I need to go? Like, how does that happen? And then go through your head of what thoughts you're thinking of where you're thinking that alcohol is going to help you. And I would say, guaranteed alcohol is not going to help you to where get you to where you want to go because if you're someone who's ambitious if you're somebody who wants to create more money in your life then you understand that alcohol is one of those things that you know is holding you back and that what you need to do is get coached on it so that's what i would offer is like think about your thoughts when you get stuck if you need any help then get coached on it asap Yes. Thank you so much for that. And I do, I agree with that hundred percent because if it's just autopilot all the time, then it's, you never stop to think about your thoughts. You just think, oh, this is just what I do now, but it's that slowing down moment by moment. And I love the thought or the question, what is alcohol doing for me that I can't do for myself? I think that that's so brilliant. And I think that I'm going to leave that for the quote for this episode. So Amber, thank you so much. And just tell, um, just tell everyone at least where they can find you and we'll make sure we put it in the description for this podcast. But if they want to come and learn how to be shift into a public speaking mindset. Yeah. So my website is amberjstevens.com. That's A-M-B-E-R-J s-t-e-p-h-e-n-s.com also i'm on instagram amber stevens at amber stevens life coach um i'm also on facebook and that's where i do uh, the majority of my lives uh free live trainings free coaching um so amber stevens you can look me up there i also have a group of over 70 women i'm teaching them how to create money with their minds every single day without using alcohol to get there. So uh, you can look me up, share your magic, live your vision 2020, and you can join our group as well. And we'd love to have anyone who wants to change their relationship with alcohol and become more of a confident speaker everywhere they go. Thank you so much. You're doing amazing work and you're changing the world. And I'm just so glad that we, our paths crossed. And thanks for being here to inspire all of these listeners today. Oh, thank you so much, Mary, and yourself as well. I love the work you're doing with feminine embodiment and the divine feminine, and you're really um, propping women up to become successful so that they can go on and live in their 100% greatness. So thank you so much for the work you do as well. Yes, more empowered women. (laughs) We can do it together. We don't have to do it separate. We can do it together. (laughs) Absolutely. Have a great day. You too. Talk to you soon. The process of unraveling your story outside of the confines of alcohol is truly a sacred and beautiful journey of the self. Rediscover who you are in a whole new world again. Stop by my website, marywagstaffcoach.com to get instant access to the on-demand workshop of my revolutionary five shifts approach. And while you're there, you can sign up for a one-on-one consultation where we will create together your life intention. This is the framework for which all of your decisions around alcohol are made from your truest and highest self. In addition to working remotely worldwide, I host private one-on-one healing retreats at my sanctuary in Mount Hood, Oregon. I can't wait to connect.